G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. When we hear someone talking about God's blessings, we immediately think to ourselves, oh, yeah, I get it. That's about God blessing me. But actually, that's not always it. Sometimes, shock, horror. God wants to bless someone else. And sometimes, that blessing requires a sacrifice from us. And that, that right there, can be the greatest blessing of all. Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the final message in this series called A Journey into the Blessings of God. So let's do it. Let's get into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you actually live in the blessings that God has for you. Thanks for joining me again today on the program, our last in a series that I've called A Journey into the Blessings of God. Now, some people I know are going to struggle with this whole idea of God blessing us. I certainly used to. I mean, if you could have seen me when I first met Jesus, it's heading on to a couple of decades now. I've been fighting against God all my life, and that had left me ragged and bleeding and hurting And it was in that place that Jesus came to set this captive free, to to bind up my broken heart, to open my eyes to his truth and give me sight when I'd been so blind. And truly, can I tell you back then, if I'd heard some joker on the radio in a series of messages called A Journey into the Blessings of God, I'd have been asking myself, what is that guy smoking? What planet is he living on? Blessing, blessing. Come walk in my shoes for a mile or two, buddy, and then dare to tell me about blessing. And that's why over these past three weeks, we've been journeying with Ruth, who frankly was dealt a lousy hand in life. She's a Moabite married to an Israelite, and pretty much a Romeo and Juliet tragedy waiting to happen. And her husband dies, and so she follows her mother-in-law, also widowed now, to Israel, which was her homeland, but to Ruth, it was a dangerous and hostile place. She turns her back on the land of Moab, the gods of Moab, her own people, to follow Naomi to Israel and worship the God of Israel. And when she gets there, being destitute widows as they both were, here's what she does, and this is what we've been looking at week by week over the last three weeks. She steps out into the blessing of God. She doesn't sit around the house and mope. She gets off her backside, goes and works in the burning sun in the field, picking up the leftovers of the harvest, as poor people did back in those days. And she does it with a specific purpose in mind. Ruth chapter 2, verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, behind someone in whose sight I may find favour. She decided to step out into the favour of God, to put herself out there in a place where God could bless her and bless her. He did. She's noticed by this wealthy landowner, Boaz, who just happens to come along at the right time, who hears about her faithfulness to his relative, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, 
and starts blessing her. And so what does Ruth do? Does she rest on her laurels here? God, got plenty of grain now from Boaz's field. Got enough to keep us going for a few weeks. Time to put up my feet in front of the telly. No, she keeps heading down this path, this journey towards God's blessing, taking one bold step after another to chase down God's blessing through Boaz to the point where she effectively proposes to him by sleeping at his feet. You can read about it yourself in the Old Testament book of Ruth, chapter 3. Now, this was a risky step, but it gets a positive response from Boaz. Ruth chapter 3, beginning at verse 8, At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and there, lying at his feet, was a woman. And he said, Who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your cloak over your servant, for you are next of kin. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. This last instance of your loyalty is better than the first. You have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask, for all the assembly of my people know that you are a worthy woman. But now, though it is true that I am a near kinsman, there is another kinsman more closely related than I. See, he wants to bless her. He actually wants to marry her. But as there so often is on the road towards the blessing of God, there was yet another hurdle. Have you ever noticed that? In this case, it was some Israelite tradition about relatives marrying widows. There was a hierarchy, if you will, a pecking order, and Boaz was second in line to marry Ruth. Another man was first in line. Dang! So here's what happens. Have a listen. Ruth chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. No sooner had Boaz gone to the gate and sat down there than the next of kin of whom Boaz had spoken came passing by. So Boaz said, Come over, friends, sit down here. And he went over and sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. He then said to his next of kin, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our kinsman Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me, so that I may know, for there is no one prior to you to redeem it, and I come after you. So the man said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day that you acquire the field from the hand of Naomi, you are also acquiring Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead man, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance. Now, it's pretty clear from what Boaz said to Ruth, we heard it earlier, that he's in love with her and he wants to marry her. And it's pretty clear from Ruth's actions in pursuing Boaz that she wants to marry him too. What a perfect blessing that would be. Two people who love each other, Ruth, this destitute Moabite widow, would hit the jackpot by marrying this not only wealthy, but also kind and generous man, Boaz. Perfecto. Just one problem. A hurdle. Something completely outside her control and his control, the tradition, the pecking order, and he had to do the right thing. Now, I'm not going to share with you how all this turns out for the moment. That's a little bit later. Of course, you could just go and open your Bible right now, Book of Ruth, about a third of the way into the Old Testament, and find it out for yourself. And the reason I just want to hold off telling you right now is that that's exactly how things are when we're on the journey towards God's blessing. See, so often we hit hurdles. Things that are completely outside our control. So far, Ruth has been able to act, to step out, albeit it was risky sometimes, on her journey into God's blessing. But here and now was something she couldn't control. 
How would things turn out? Was she anxious? Well, sure she was. Read the last part of chapter 3 of the book of Ruth. And these are the times, as much as there are times when we have to act and step out in faith, these are the times when God is also stretching and growing our faith. There are times on our journey when we have to simply no option but to leave it in the hands of God. They're important times, very important. Is it important for God to teach us to step out and to act in faith? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what Ruth has been doing all along. But if every blessing from God relied on us doing something we could get completely the wrong impression. We'd start imagining that it's all up to us somehow. And so God blesses us sometimes with times of tension and uncertainty where we have the opportunity to leave it to him, to trust the outcome to him, to believe that whatever he chooses, whether it's what we were hoping for or not, is the right thing, the perfect thing, the wondrous blessing of God. Friend, waiting on him in faith is one of the most important lessons that you and I can learn. Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send to you to help you draw ever closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see that Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on one 300 722-415 So go ahead, sign up to receive fresh and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Now there are times when God means for us to step out into his blessing, a step of faith. And then, then there are times when he wants us to wait on him, to, to do something, to handle something that's completely out of our control. And that can be harder than stepping out sometimes. So, what's God up to? So, as we saw before the break, here it is. It's completely out of Ruth's control. It's completely out of Boaz's control. And it's up to this other man. We don't even find out his name. Completely at his whim and his mercy. Don't you just hate that when something so important is out of your control? Okay, we know the theory at least that God is in control. That's the theory, isn't it? All things work together for good, blah, blah, blah. But man, when, when you're in the thick of it, when, when everything appears to hang on a knife's edge, we feel completely out of control. We, we can have panic attacks. We, well, you know the rest, because you've been there just like I've been there. We imagine somehow that we're on a journey into God's blessing, but... It just doesn't feel like it, and it feels like God's making us jump through yet another hoop. Well, enough suspense. How does this whole thing turn out? Ruth chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. Then Boaz said, The day that you acquire the field from the hand of Naomi, you are also acquiring Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead man, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance. At this, the next of kin said, 
I cannot redeem it for myself without damaging my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one took off a sandal and gave it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the next of kin said to Boaz, acquire it for yourself, he took off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Marlon, to be my wife, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance, in order that the name of the deed may not be cut off from his kindred and from the gate of his native place. Today you are witnesses. Then all the people who were at the gate, along with the elders, said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you produce children and bestow a name in Bethlehem. And through the children that the Lord will give you by this young woman, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Well, Eureka! It works out just the way Ruth and Boaz had hoped. For whatever reason, taking Ruth as his wife doesn't work for this man in the family who, according to tradition, has the first right of refusal. And it seems that all are going to live happily ever after. Great blessing, great joy. There'll be a wedding and then, of course, children will come along. What a blessing from God they will be. We'll look at that after the break. But right now, there's cause for joy and celebration. Hallelujah. But you and I know, we know through hard, often painful experience, that as we're journeying through life, we sometimes, now let me say, we often wish that things would turn out one way and they go completely the other way. We pray that our parents will come to know the Lord before they die and they seem not to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. We, we want this relationship to be healed and restored and we want this thing that we stepped out into in faith to succeed and it flounders. The ending isn't always a happily ever after ending, is it? question is, how do we handle that? Do we trot out that well-used scripture, Romans 8, verse 28, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose? It can feel a bit lame when we're hurting, can't it? Like like a cop-out. Oh, well, I, I believed God for this and for that, and it didn't turn out that way. I guess I, I have to believe that he had something else in mind. I guess. Me? Here's what I do. I believe God for good. I believe that God wants to bless me, but I am prepared to accept that what I think is blessing and what he means by blessing aren't always the same thing. See, God has this great and mighty plan for the world, a plan of which you and I are only a small part. It's not always going to turn out the way we hoped from our perspective. And I learned that from Apostle Paul as he goes on to write after this well-known verse, Romans 8.31, What then are we going to say about things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't you love that? Paul's saying, look, I don't care what the world throws at me. And remember, in Paul's case, it threw rather a lot. Hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. I don't care. Because God loves me. And nothing can separate me from that love. No circumstance, no unfulfilled hope or dream. Because in Christ, this Jesus who died for me and who rose again, I am more than a conqueror. Can I tell you something, friend? It's only in the difficult times that we learn the truth of this, that having complete confidence in the power and the love of God through Jesus Christ is the place of true security. If we go looking for security in our circumstances, in things, we are going to be sadly, sadly disappointed in life. But if in the face of hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword, we boldly put our trust in God, then that, that right there, is the place of blessing. And it's a blessing the world can't offer us. It's a blessing of peace and joy and security amidst the highs and the lows of life. That right there is what God calls blessing. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. I'd just like to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. Blessing is not an easy subject to chat about because all too often we don't actually feel all that blessed. And that's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called, Does God Really Want to Bless Me? It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you actually live in the blessings that God has for you. In fact, at the end of each chapter, you'll see a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your free copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415, and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that this particular booklet will be available so don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Now, most times when we hear someone talk about God's blessings, we immediately assume that that blessing is for us, my blessing. But in God's economy, sometimes one person has to suffer so that others might be blessed. Jesus, for instance. It happens to you and me as well. And unless we know what he's up to, it can be kind of hard to swallow. It's a funny thing when we talk about God's blessing. You know what we immediately understand by that? We immediately think, oh, that means me. God's going to bless me. God wants to bless me. But that's not always the way it works. Consider parenting. Parents sacrifice so much for their children in order to bless them and bring them up to become responsible adults. Now, none of us is perfect, and sometimes we resent the sacrifice as parents. But overall, hopefully, most of us would say that our sacrifices were worth it to bless our children. Would you agree? Jesus suffered so that you and I could be blessed. Can't put it any more simply than that. His 33 and a bit years on this earth involved trial after trial, culminating in the brutal cross. 
so that you and I would be blessed with forgiveness and a new life and an eternal life in close fellowship and relationship with him. When we put ourselves in the centre of the universe, then blessing's all about us. When we wake up to finally realise that we aren't the centre of the universe, then we realise that sometimes someone else's blessing from God is going to cost us something. It's a basic kingdom truth. And so it was with Ruth. This young Moabite widow who had to go through so much, as we've seen over these past few weeks, in order to be blessed. But there was more, something much more to her suffering. Well, it turns out that there was, and in fact, there still is. Ruth's suffering, Ruth's difficult journey, yielded a blessing that you and I still enjoy today. Incredible, you say? Well, let's have a look at how Ruth's trials and suffering blessed you and me. Before the break, we saw how, after her long journey, she pretty much hit the jackpot, snared Boaz as her husband, and she got married. But that blessing goes on. Let's have a look. Ruth chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her to conceive, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him to her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name. A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. Okay, so Ruth turns out she's the grandmother of King David. Great. How is that still a blessing to you and me here and now? Let's wind the clock forward a thousand or so years to the birth of Jesus, and let's go to the genealogy of Jesus. Now, you might be pleased to know we're not going to read through the whole genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, although I did preach on it one time at our church some time back, and Pamela, the woman who did the Bible reading, which was a whole of Matthew chapter 1, including the genealogy, got a standing ovation for her efforts when she finished. What we discover in the genealogy of Jesus is that he is a descendant of King David, and to King David was promised an heir who would sit on his throne forever and ever. You can read about it in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. God promises him an heir forever and ever. And so that promise is fulfilled through Jesus. But who were David's grandparents? Boaz and Ruth. And incidentally, the genealogies were written down the male line in those days. It was a patriarchal society, which of course is a little silly, because the only way you can guarantee a genealogy is down the female line. Anyhow, so all the people mentioned in Jesus' genealogy are men, except for Tamar, who deceives Judah by acting as a prostitute, Rahab, also a prostitute, Ruth, a Moabite, a sworn enemy of Israel, and Mary, this young teenager who fell pregnant, apparently out of wedlock, with the child Jesus. Four women of ill repute, each of which played a mighty part in bringing Jesus to us, to you and to me, this same Jesus who died for us and rose again to give us forgiveness of sin and a new life and an eternal life. God had a mighty plan to use Ruth, this young Moabite widow who who journeyed to Israel against all better judgment, to bless you and me here and now. Albeit she wasn't one of his chosen people, she wasn't one of the beautiful people, and he had her journey through great trials to become an ancestor of Jesus. Why? Well, we don't know why. Maybe God wanted some of her DNA in the body of the Son of Man. 
Maybe God wanted some of her faithfulness and loyalty to be handed down to Jesus all through those generations. Who knows? But listen to me. Through Ruth's trials and suffering, you and I are blessed here and now for all eternity in Jesus. Could Ruth have had any idea, any inkling of what God's great and mighty plan was back then? Of course she couldn't. As far as she knew, she was blessed, and that was what mattered. But God's blessing ripples on for generations, for millennia, because that's how God's blessing works. You and I are not, let me say it again, we are not the centre of the universe. We are a part of a great and mighty plan that we simply can't comprehend. And sometimes we're blessed in the here and now, and sometimes we suffer in order that others might be blessed, and sometimes it's both, as it turned out to be, for Ruth, both suffering and blessing. For me, as I've come to realise that I'm not the centre of the universe, shocking as that seemed at first, but that as much as God loves me, as much as he knows about everything going on in my life and he cares about everything, I am just a small part of his great and mighty plan for this world. The suffering has started to make sense. And these days, when I travel through times of suffering, you know what? I can sit right in the middle of that and be overcome by joy and peace because I know he loves me. He has a plan. all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live in the blessings that God has for us through Jesus Christ. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. You know, each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over 2,500 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $50 can touch over 125,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com or just give us a call toll free on 1300 722 415. And when you do get in touch, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called Does God Really Want to Bless Me? Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll free on 1300 722 415. Thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.